We are now in calendar year 2021. That's five years, five years that have occurred since Landfire has incorporated changes or disturbances in the product. If Landfire can be better at helping address that latency and frequency, it will position users to be able to do those assessments and analysis in a much quicker and faster fashion. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Eyes on Earth. We're a podcast that focuses on our ever-changing planet and on the people here at Eros and across the globe who use remote sensing to monitor and study the health of Earth. I'm your host, John Holt. Landscape Fire and Resource Management Tools, also known as Landfire, offers a dizzying array of data points on the nation's land resources through its satellite-derived GIS mapping products. Landfire is a critical tool for wildfire planning, mitigation, and recovery. It's also useful in a host of studies and applications involving ecosystems, wetlands, carbon storage, habitats, environmental damage and restoration, and even human health. Users are always on the lookout for the newest data, and Landfire production teams are working to meet those needs. Landfire has just released an update called Landfire 2019 Limited, just one year after completing the most significant full-scale remap in the program's history. The new release adds three years of disturbance data to several of Landfire's mapping layers, The limited update will be especially helpful for fire science and fire response communities heading into the 2021 wildfire season. With us today to talk about the what's, why's, and how's of Landfire 2019 Limited are two of the multi-agency partnerships business leads, Henry Bastian of the Department of Interior and Frank Fay of the U.S. Forest Service, who's marking his second appearance on our show. Henry and Frank, welcome to Eyes on Earth. Thank you, John. Thank you. Let's start with Henry. For the folks who might not know already, give us the elevator pitch for Landfire. What is it? Where did it come from? And why is it important? It started back with the Government Accountability Office. The federal government had a lack of data. Our Forest Service and Department of Interior agencies, we needed landscape data. And Landfire was the only proposed effort at the time that was going to provide the comprehensive data to give you vegetation, fuels data across the nation. Its importance really is to help provide not only fire, because, you know, fire is a large contributor, it pays for it, but it supports natural resources, carbon climate, a number of other things. It's super helpful to have that data. People on the ground that are making decisions relative to fires, habitat management, things of those nature. We're talking about Landsat-derived 30-meter per pixel resolution data for the entire United States, Hawaii, Alaska. I know I'm missing a few there. Is that right? That is correct. And in recent years, we've added the territories or insular areas. So if you need to know what type of tree is growing on a patch of ground in Hawaii or Guam, you can turn to Landfire and figure that out. Yeah, that's what's so cool about it. Landfire is using the ecological system and then the National Vegetation Classification Standard. So we're able to go down to a finer, what I'll call resolution or detail, because we're actually mapping down to some of those specific species types. And that then really positions managers with the knowledge to say, oh, well, based on this particular vegetation, how does it burn? How does it react to fire? How do other species, wildlife, interact with it? What's happening to that species with drought, climate change? It gives you those details instead of just simply saying, 
uh, we've got some good land cover data with grass, shrublands, or forest. You've got those details to work with. So there's a lot of information, a lot of good information, and the information is even better this year than it was maybe two years ago because of Land Fire Remap. Henry and Frank, I'm going to ask both of you for your thoughts about Land Fire Remap. What changed last year? And tell me how the updated base map and associated products have been received. And maybe, Henry, you can start out. So the Land Fire 2016 effort, also known as Remap, was a very important mapping effort. We had mapped everything nationally back to circa 2001 conditions. And of course, we've been doing some updates, 2008, 10, 12, 14 in areas of change. But vegetation continues to grow. We had not captured some of that incremental growth that was occurring across the landscape. And so it was really important to kind of just reset the foundation. The 2016 effort really helped us focus on all those current conditions as of 2016, a large number of new field plots had been collected. Technology had improved with our methodologies and algorithms. We were able to take advantage of that and make some pretty significant improvements. People are commenting that they are very impressed. People are liking the way the products are performing in some of our fire behavior modeling. Overall, we're hearing really good comments and feedback from users. Yeah, I agree, John. The users that I've talked to have been very impressed with the Landfire Remap. One of the things that I think is most exciting about the Remap is that we were able to incorporate quite a bit of LIDAR data. That allowed us to present continuous values for vegetation height, vegetation cover, and canopy cover. That's a significant upgrade over the bins that we had in the previous base map. And again, you're talking about LIDAR for the folks that might not be familiar with that. LIDAR is a, a different sort of remotely sensed data. You essentially shoot a laser at an object and measure the amount of time it takes for that to come back. And, and you can basically figure out how tall something is. That's correct. Some right. of the LIDAR we used was airborne from an airplane. And some of it, I think, came from satellites. But we didn't have the LIDAR image everywhere. So we used what we had as training data and then extrapolated to all lands. And that's important to figure out how tall the canopy is because that impacts fire behavior, as I understand it. Is that right? Exactly. Yes. Frank, let's stick with you here for a second. Let's talk about Land Fire 2019 Limited. What's new here? What's included? What isn't? And who will this update be the most useful for? Land Fire 2019 Limited, or LF 2019L, as we sometimes call it, is an update to the remap that we just completed. The 2019 part of the name tells us that we're adding disturbances and vegetation changes from 2017, 2018, and 2019. The L, or the limited part, tells us that it isn't a full update, and 2019L is limited in several important ways that are important for the user to understand so that they could use it properly. One of the more significant limitations is that we only are addressing the 48 states. No Alaska, no Hawaii. You folks are going to have to wait a little longer. Another one of the important limitations is that we only added disturbances or vegetation changes that were contributed to us by our partners, or we were able to glean from the associated databases that we have at our disposal. The thing we didn't include is the remote sensing data. We normally use remote sensing to detect change. We didn't have the remote sensing change in 2019 Limited. For our user base, it's going to be most useful for folks in the fire community because they want the most recent information to help determine how a fire might spread or to do wildfire risk assessments on the landscape. 
The other point I wanted to make is that Landfire 2019L is a transitional product. Our objective is to get to where we can do a product every year and have that data be pretty recent, perhaps as little as a year old. This isn't that, but this is a transition towards that goal. And I'm pretty confident that we can get there in the next version or two. I'm glad that you brought that up. Let's stay on that train for a little bit. Talking about getting out annual updates, eventually getting out sort of full updates every year. So Henry, I want to turn to you here. What's next for Landfire? Is that really what we're looking at is annual updates? Are we looking at more robust updates? And, and when can users expect to see these kinds of updates coming from Landfire? That's the kind of question I think Frank and I have been fielding from users for many years, actually. They've been so happy that they've got Landfire data. It has saved them lots of time. But even with that, the latency and the frequency at which Landfire has been producing products, our people are still looking to understand what changed and then needing that change to then help them manage things. So for instance, last year, 2020, a banner fire year a lot of disturbance, a lot of change. What users are having to do is, and let's put it within the picture of say a firefighter or incident management team, they know that those fires have occurred. And so as new fires are occurring, they can use those previous year's fires to their tactical advantage in understanding where do they need to apply firefighting resources to maybe reduce or hopefully suppress a fire. Knowing that another area had burned last year or the year before, they may be able to say, well, we're not going to spend as much time over there because we know based on previous experience that when a fire encounters those previous burns or those areas that have been treated, the fire's behavior is going to drop in some instances, it may even not even spread. So they're able to more quickly manage it. We're looking to move in that more annual approach. We've been doing biennial updates, but by the time users actually get it, it's about three years. And so by providing more robust updates, where, as Frank alluded to, we may be only a year out, users aren't going to have to do as much on their end to say, oh, what changed, what's in Landfire versus what is not, and how can we do some updates locally to the data so that when we do analyses, when we're using that for, say, a fire, they could then very quickly be able to start the modeling, start the analysis. I think you asked a question also, what are we expecting in the coming years? We are going to be doing a combinations of these limited versus full and be able to provide that, say, here in like 2022, 2023. And so users will be able to see products to maybe be only one year out of sync with what they've experienced with recent disturbances. It seems as though users are always going to have to deal with some of the things that have happened since the map was made. You're never going to catch what happened last week in the newest product update, but it sounds like you're trying to minimize the amount of adjustment that the users are going to have to do to get to where they need to be. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right, John. Landfire Remap and Landfire Limited, they both represent fresher data than users had in the past. What has the new data been used for so far with Remap? What are you hearing? And where do you see it being useful in the future? And Frank, I want to turn to you here. Are we looking at, for example, an update to something like the Wildfire Risk to Communities tool that we talked about a while ago? 
I think that's entirely possible. I have some colleagues who are already using the REMAP for wildfire risk assessment at the regional scale. And the reports I hear back from them is that it's saving them a lot of time updating. They like the higher resolution in the vegetation data. The team I work with on the Wildfire Risk to Communities website is looking at incorporating REMAP. But when they heard that we would have a 2019 limited version, they said, oh, well, maybe we'll just drag our feet for a month or two and we'll use that because that'll save us three years of updates. So it's being used quite a bit and well received, I think. I'm sure Henry has some more examples. Yeah, maybe just to build on that. So Frank talked about risk assessments. That's indeed happening at the state level. There's also another tool called the Interagency Fuel Treatment Decision Support System, also known as IFTDIS. Within that tool, users are applying the Landfire 2016 data for burn plans, mechanical treatments. There also is a risk functionality within IFTDIS to look at exposure, the values on that area of interest, and then, of course, ultimately, what is that quantitative risk picture that they need to be evaluating and factoring in based on the burn probability of the location, you know, the condition of the fuels, um, again, all that exposure and those values. So there's a lot of, of use of the products at this point in time. For the risk assessment tools, there are several areas, whether you're looking at wildfires that would occur in a forest or with wildfire risk to communities, wildfires that would get into the wildland urban interface and actually threaten homes. This data is being incorporated into those risk assessments. And that reminds me, land fire is used well outside just the fire science community. It's used for ecosystems and, and all sorts of studies, but insurance adjusters use land fire, don't they? Yes, that is correct. There's a, a large user community in the private sector and, you know, insurance companies are definitely one there. They're taking the data, using it to help inform rates relative to homeowners insurance, looking at where the risks exist. You just take a look at what's happened recently in California, and they've had a few years, unfortunately. We've had some pretty catastrophic effects relative to homes and families. They are also taking a look at the data. How do we make sure that from an insurance company, we're, we don't get overboard, if you will? It's always interesting when we have these conversations about GIS mapping products and science and applications, just how valuable it is on a basic level to understand what's out there, what's on the landscape and what's been changing. That's the key part of all of this, John. I think you're really zeroing in on the key aspect, change. Change is such an important part of the world in which we live. In the human construct, we're dealing with change all the time. In the natural environment, change is happening all around us. Photosynthesis is occurring, you know, vegetation is constantly growing. Being able to capture that change and provide it in a data set, that can then better help inform managers of what actions they need to take, things they need to consider. You know, those kinds of things are, are really important. And these data are helping position managers with that type of information so they can make better decisions. We've talked a lot about wildland fire applications for land fire. But like you mentioned, there are a lot of other ways that land fire is being used. It's used to assess wildlife habitat, watershed condition assessments, carbon balances, or assess climate change, ecosystem changes. It's uh, primarily a fire product, but it has a lot of other uses. And I think that those uses are going to be more valuable in the future. We 
We've been talking with Henry Bastian at the Department of Interior and Frank Fay of the U.S. Forest Service about Land Fire 2019 Limited. Henry, Frank, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for your time, John. Hey, thank you so much, John. Be sure to drop in for the next episode of Eyes on Earth. You can find us on our website at usgs.gov arrows. That's usgs.gov E-R-O-S. Or by finding us on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. Thanks for joining us. This podcast is a product of the U.S. Geological Survey, Department of Interior.